0: Welcome to Unraveling Midlife, I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own astrological midlife by speaking with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work. Astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for everyone. Each of the four main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details vary by generation and by individual. I recommend listening to episodes 9 and 20 for more in depth discussion on these. If you're new to the show, welcome. You can follow me on social media as Sarah Marlowe Spence, and you're welcome to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. At the end of the episode, I share a track of my original music. You've arrived here to this episode as we're heading into Christmas 2022. With the Capricorn new moon, just recently, gone, and plenty of change in the heavens. Now, change is inevitable, and the next few months herald even more astrological changes. I'm curious to see what eventuates. Saturn will move into Pisces, and Pluto into Aquarius, as the New Zealand summer fades into autumn. It'll be the tail end of festival season then, which, as this show goes to air, is just about to begin. The conscious festival scene has been a part of my summer traditions from before my Saturn return, i.e. my late 20s, and back when I started, I was one of the young ones. (laughs) Now I feel like part of the wisdom crowd, a little more mature, as the influx of those interested in these festivals seems to be growing exponentially and ever younger. This year I'll be at a few more than usual, which I'm looking forward to. So if you happen to see me at any of them, please say hi. I'll be playing music and facilitating Dream Workshops for sure, confirmed at Resolution Festival north of Auckland, New Zealand Spirit South Island near Christchurch, Evolve Festival in Nelson, and Earthbeat Festival at Uchie Creek, again north of Auckland. And perhaps more yet to add to the list, we shall see. Now this episode is number 25, which as a quarter of 100 is worth celebrating. I started planning this podcast as a creative passion project just over two years ago. It's provided a source of richness in life that I would otherwise not have, and I hear the same from others on occasion. It's a great feeling when a listener I don't know comes up and says, I listened to your podcast and I really love it. Like, yay! <laughs> um... And if you'd like to help celebrate and find that this show adds value to your life, perhaps consider rating it if you're on Apple, or sharing it with others who might enjoy it. Today's guest is Tegan Fee. We met through the festival scene, funnily enough, via her hypnotherapy workshop, and I was on the workshop team for a festival that, uh, so we... Looked at her website and went, wow, we have to have uh, this lady. Tegan is a rapid transformation therapy practitioner, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a natural success coach. And she started out by jumping ship from corporate IT with a very solid yoga background. Apart from being an all-around lovely human, Tegan has an incredible astrological midlife story that you'll hear today, and it both surprised me and kept me spellbound. Before we head into our conversation, here is a quote from her website that I felt I really just had to share with you. One of my greatest joys is to help a person to feel good about who they are, and to realise that they are amazing. Life is too short and too precious to not love who you are. Hagan, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. It's great to have you here.
1: Oh, it's lovely to be here, Sarah. Thank you so much. So, I mean,
0: how, how did, how did your midlife unravel? What, what's happening in your life right now? Well, Tell, tell me about yourself before we get right, get right into the details. Okay,
1: okay cool. <laughs> so I'm probably a little bit, probably 10 years past midlife. Uh, But uh, originally I was born in Australia and I came out to New Zealand when I was three years old and so I was born in Australia, brought up in New Zealand and I ended up when I was 30, I became a yoga teacher after a, a long career in corporate and I became a twice qualified yoga teacher over a number of years. And then I became a life coach with a foundation in somatic psychotherapy, and I ended up running yoga retreats all over Australia and in other countries, and I loved being a full-time yoga teacher, and it was my passion, and then I ended up working for an organization in Australia, working with clients with mental health issues, and they were long-term unemployed. And my whole working life became this fascinating um, research project for me about the mind and how the mind influences emotions and how it influences the way that we experience ourselves and the world. And I ended up um, retraining in 2016. I became a clinical hypnotherapist. And I, when I came back from New Zealand, I lived in Mexico for a few years. I lived in Australia for 18 years, then moved to Mexico, and came back to New Zealand and became a clinical hypnotherapist and worked for an organisation called Mindfulness Works, teaching mindfulness to people in Auckland. So I I taught about 3,500 people mindfulness over the last four to five years, and so that's kind of what I do now. Is I teach mindfulness in the corporate space. I work with clients all over the world as a clinical therapist and I still take people away on retreats so mainly women so that's kind of me in a nutshell
0: that's so cool that's so cool yeah right yeah I I remember talking with you once and you're like oh and I left corporate or you were doing corporate I'm like okay wow corporate twice qualified yoga teacher we have some things in common but you managed to leave corporate
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I did I did I, I really made that big leap of faith and and jumped off the cliff and and landed on my feet, which was, which was amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I do have to wonder, like, when I hear stories like that, is it easier, do you think? I mean, clearly you can only do it once to make that jump because you were in Australia when you made that jump. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I was in Australia working as an IT project manager. And I think, you know, you and I have that IT background in common as well. And I was earning ridiculous money. So, uh, you know, a lot of people were, were just like, oh my God, are you crazy leaving this sport to become a yoga teacher? But um, I just did it. You know, I just took that leap. And no, it wasn't easy because what I found was that, you know, when I was working full time, I was fully distracted and around people all of the time. And then I went to working for myself and having a lot of time on my hands and my classes were mainly in the evening so I spent a lot of time on my own during the day and then I was teaching 10 to 12 classes a week and mentally I fell apart and physically I fell apart. Mm, That's a lot of classes. Yeah it was a lot of classes and so um, uh, it was a massive transformation for me.
0: I I wondered if it'd be easier to do in Australia than New Zealand because there's a bigger population base so therefore it would be easier to get that amount of classes and and live on that and also but it must have been harder because um IT is is stupid money in Australia it's not quite it's nowhere near as stupid in New Zealand that's for sure Um, yeah so I wonder if that kind of helped a little bit but I totally relate with that Going from even remote working in the last couple of years, like not having people to talk to at the in the kitchen or at the water cooler, which I see
1: a bit batty. Oh yeah, it's intense. But you know, when I started teaching yoga, they didn't have many yoga schools. So back then in the day, you had to go into a mentorship with a teacher. Mm. And and so there weren't many yoga teachers around. And and I got involved with the first diploma program that came in in australia it was the very first one of its kind that then um you know pushed out 23 teachers into the melbourne community but at the time there were just there were so many students and there weren't yoga teachers on every corner so it was really uh, you know my classes were always full so- and of course yeah i was just going to say of course over the years now there's a yoga teacher on every corner
0: I wondered if that I was actually going to say, like I'm in the GFC, everyone decided to retrain and I was teaching yoga at the time after my day job. And I really found that there was a point where there were so many yoga teachers. I used to know people go, oh, you're a yoga teacher. Do you know so-and-so? I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> but then but then there were so many yoga teachers and there are. Ah, um, so, so what happened at that point? Does that kind of come into your story about like clearly, you probably have some yoga in in your life with retreats and, and all of that. But mm-hmm. you started with the yoga and then went into hypnotherapy and yeah, and, and different kinds of hypnotherapy as well. So, how did that happen?
1: Well, I um I was really blessed because I did my first yoga teacher training course and then I I I really went through an existential crisis with yoga because I saw people being injured and Iyengar was really big in Australia and it is stronger and I started to question it and I didn't feel the juice of yoga at the time I was like there's something missing for me around this and I didn't understand why people were injuring themselves and so I ended up um, doing an apprenticeship for four years with one of Jessica Char's principal students and luckily enough, she lived in, in Melbourne, and, and I got this in depth training in yoga therapy. But in particular, in the way that the in the way that the yogis perceive the mind and the yoga scriptures about mind and how to heal mind, and I had this beautiful link between mind and body because I was the next dancer as well, and I went really, really deep into that in a big way. Which and then of course I studied somatic psychotherapy through um, some coaching training that I was doing, and then that took it to another level because it was all about um, working through the body and th- with psychotherapy. So it just my my skill base just kept growing and growing and growing, and so yes, it absolutely influenced my um, my career choice, and I ended up leaving full time teaching because. My big thing has always been about helping people to really dive deep into the heart and to really allow them to access their divinity or the truth of who they are beyond their trauma and beyond their perceptions of themselves. And, and in Australia, when Ashtanga just became so big, people were just wanting a yoga bat and, and you know they weren't really interested in those beautiful, softer practices. And, you know, I think, I don't know, you'll, you may agree with us you know, that, you know, often when people start yoga, they start with the very physical practices. And then over time, as you evolve, you start to lean more into the more meditative side of yoga as you grow and evolve spiritually.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. Right. So that, that's how it happened for me. Yeah. And then, you know, I kind of got bored with psychotherapy Um, When I came back to New Zealand, I was like, God, there must have to be something more than this that that gets and cuts through a lot quicker. And I found um, Marissa Peer's work, and a lot of people follow Marissa, and I trained with her in um, rapid transformational therapy, which is a type of hypnotherapy. And then I, um, I I became a clinical hypnotherapist here in New Zealand and then trained with a very a well-known hypnotherapist in Australia so I've just you know my whole journey really has has been just building on that toolkit you know I've literally worked with thousands of people over the years and um and you know you just grow and grow and grow as a therapist and and come up with your own style yeah and so
0: how did all that transition from yoga teacher to the rapid transformational therapy and your other the other hypnotherapy how did that kind of work in with the astrological midlife that
1: um oh yeah so what happened was I when I was about 39 I was living in Melbourne Australia and I had this really um intuitive understanding and knowing that I was about to leave Australia and I was so happy there you know I'd lived there for 16 years and it was my home and um, but I was I was told intuitively that I was about to leave and I ended up going to the, the Himalayas when I was 41 and I did the Annapurna circuit for three weeks and, and it was just absolutely profound. For me it was a walking meditation and it was probably one of the most genuine things I've ever done in, in my life and, and I met this man on a rooftop in Kathmandu and and you know it was it was it was just this beautiful magical meeting and i was chatting with him and he said to me and at that time i'd gone back to corporate because i'd burnt out as a yoga teacher and a therapist probably 2 years before that and he said to me oh my god you've got to get back to your work you've got to go back to your work and i'd actually burnt out and um, when i burnt out i ended up in hospital and um, I nearly died, I, I had septicemia of the bowel and appendicitis, and I'd just been giving so much to my clients and teaching yoga, and it was all give, 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 and then I had nothing left to give, and I burnt out so badly that I deleted my database, and I never wanted to teach another yoga class again, and I never wanted to see another client again because I had nothing left in the tank. So I went back to corporate and ended up doing change management for a couple of years in training. And when I met this man on the rooftop office balcony, and he said that to me, it just cracked something open within me. And I went back to Melbourne and, and gave up my job and said, I'm, I'm done. And once again, I was earning extraordinary money. And, um, but I thought, no, I've got to get back to my truth and then i um an email arrived in my inbox and it was a trip to the amazon and it was with um it was with 12 people from around the world it was called an an avatar um adventure doing plant medicine and i applied for it and within 2 hours i got a message back saying that i'd been accepted out of 200 people they just got a big yes on it and um, by the end of the day, I booked my ticket to Peru. So I went on this mad, crazy trip to Peru um, in 2011. And I went deep into the jungle, um, probably nine hours away from Iquitos, way out this river where there were pink dolphins and anacondas and pythons up in the trees no electricity and I did um, ayahuasca for two weeks I did about five ceremonies every third day and I fell in love with this man in in the Amazon he was from Mexico and I ended up um, you know we ended up spending some time in Peru after the trip and then he came out to Australia and um, came and stayed with me in Australia and then I went back I went to Mexico to see him and him and I were invited to go back to the Amazon to facilitate another group. And so I went through more ayahuasca experiences. I went through another seven trips. So this is all part of my midlife. Like this is right smack bang in yeah. the middle of it.
0: That's a, that's a Neptune square spirituality journey. Of <laughs> <month>.
1: <laughs> I know, absolutely right. And then my last ayahuasca experience just almost shattered my psyche and um I went through this absolutely profound experience that took me two years to integrate and I ended up um three months later I moved to Mexico to be with my sister
0: this is a classic like they call that astrological midlife sometimes the midlife crisis where people might buy a sports car this sounds like Uranus opposition just kind of shaking okay you're gonna like move to the other side of the world to a different culture this is such a good story continue
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it was you know it was just a wild ride and and everyone in Australia a lot of people were saying to me I can't believe you're just packing up your life and you're going to Mexico I mean Mexico of all places but it felt so right to me my intuition was just like no you've got to go and so I arrived there I didn't know Spanish and um, didn't have any Spanish whatsoever and my partner and I lived in a place called Cuernavaca, which was an hour south of Mexico City but I was integrating this ayahuasca experience. So, you know, I went through this massive existential crisis where I was questioning my spirituality and questioning the divine and and questioning who I was. And I was, I was having these incredibly blissful experiences where I was waking up in bliss in the night and seeing bliss rolling off the hills because, you know, your pineal gland gets quite, you know, just cracked wide open. But it was it was intense, you know, it was just freaking intense and it was frightening and I didn't know what was happening to me. And I was in a in a strange country and I went to university and I was learning Spanish and I was, you know, in a relatively new relationship, kind of integrating into Mexican life and and um I I ended up staying there for about three and a half years and had this wild, wild time over there
0: how did you ground again from feeling that panic and split open Mm. find that grounding again
1: well I tried to find someone who could help me because I you know it's interesting with ayahuasca and and um you know I don't don't necessarily recommend it for because of what I went through and Mm. and I you know I always did the big um you know cleansing for six weeks before going on it and meditating and you know really doing it right and going in with the right intention spiritually um but you know it it completely you know I went into the dark and also into the light in the last ceremony that I had and so afterwards I felt like I was going to walk through the earth and my whole physical reality completely shifted and changed And I was having these incredible experiences, but there was nobody there to kind of take my hand and say, this is what's happening to you. And this is what you need to do. We need to ground you. And this is how we need to ground you. So none of that happened. So eventually after trying to find my own answers, and it was a very, very lonely journey, um, I felt like I was walking on a knife edge between sanity and insanity for a good two years. I ended up finding a teacher um, by the name of Sally Kempton, and she is a wisdom goddess tantric yoga teacher who comes from the Baba Muktananda lineage. And so I I did a six week course with her, um, focusing on wisdom goddess deity practice. So we you know we worked with one of the goddess archetypes on a weekly basis. So Dorga one week and Lalita another week and you know poverty, and and um and then i did a, a two-month program with her after that on kundalini and because i was in this expanded state of awareness I, the goddesses were appearing to me um in the middle of the night and in my meditations and i was having these profound conversations with them and they got me back in my body. yeah. so um, that's what grounded me was that work. and And I've been doing that work ever since. it's 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 a big passion of mine. I've also worked with a teacher called Chamali Adak, who's another great women's Tantra teacher. And you know Tantra as in the true word, not the for the, the, the sexual side, but as an embodied awareness
0: classical not neo yeah
1: classical yeah yeah from a, a yogini perspective and so I've worked with Charmily and and also worked with Sally Kempton and, and I still do goddess practice today with wisdom goddess practice mm-hmm. yeah so they grounded me basically they got me back in my body and and grounded and safe again
2: hmm But, you know, the,
1: the experience changed my life. You know, it, it completely transformed me in, in in every possible way. And, um, you know, it completely shifted my consciousness. You know, my consciousness has completely changed. And I can tap back into that energy now quite easily. But, you know, it, it's not there all the time, but I can tap into it.
0: It's fascinating hearing people's experience with, with that kind of plant medicine. Yeah, especially in such detail and, and finding that way out of it. Yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. like a life-changing experience. is, I guess, plural.
1: Yeah, but you know, there's a dark side to that medicine. And, you know, I, I've met many people since I had my experience because I, when I went through my experience, I started to do a lot of research. Because, yeah, I didn't even know what ayahuasca was when I first went to the Amazon and I was like, oh, yeah, ayahuasca, never heard of it. I didn't know it was a psychedelic kind of um, drug um, until I really got there. But afterwards, when I went through my experience, I started to research and there were actually lots of stories of people that lost their minds and you know i met i met someone in in mexico who had done a lot of ayahuasca who completely lost the plot for two years and thought she was going to die
0: so kind of up there with mushrooms psychedelic mushrooms as well like i hear similar, uh, similar
1: it's more mushrooms. intense it, it's a lot more intense oh yeah it's next level again Wow. And so, um, you know, it's interesting because I've had people say to me, you know, would you recommend it? And and I say no, the risk is too great. And yeah. even though there's a lot of people out there that are doing ayahuasca and recommending it for trauma and things like that. There is a big risk with it, and people don't really understand and haven't really gone and researched that risk. So you know, it, it's it's definitely there's that risk there if you if people want to go and take it.
0: Yeah. I tend to go for non psychedelic plant medicine in the form of of like flowery senses because honestly, like I find that taking them in their stock strength, like it can be a complete trip in its itself without the psychedelics. But there's such an impact.
1: Oh yeah, and then you know, taking ayahuasca is like a Carly experience, right? It's like Carly comes in and she just goes, "Rah, I'm going to dismantle you completely." Yeah. But there are more gentle ways right yeah you of
0: know? course Kali being the the goddess that like cuts heads off and eats yeah, brains and
1: yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that kind
0: of thing Yes, yeah. definitely not a kind of pious mary type goddess
1: i <laughs> know <laughs> exactly there are definitely more gentle ways to mm. shift and grow spiritually mm. So you mentioned
0: when you left Australia, you had a really strong intuitive feeling that you were going to leave.
1: Can mm-hmm. you talk a little
0: bit more about intuition? because I know that's some of what you work with with people as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know the Yogis talk about the fact that we have a higher mind and and a lower mind, and and they say that you know that the lower mind is your intellectual mind. And it's called manas, it's your manas mind. And most of us live from this space, you know. And, and over the work that I've done with thousands of people, particularly around somatic awareness, many of us are disconnected from our bodies and disconnected from our intuitive nature. But our higher mind exists within the heart, and in yoga we call it he. And it's that that beautiful clear crystal clear part of the self that's connected to everything in all time and space and we're all highly intuitive but what happens is we get these intuitive hits that are always coming to us from from that deeper higher source from within our higher consciousness I suppose you could call it but then the intellectual mind the lower mind comes in straight away and it it um it analyzes it it tries to make sense and then of course the the, the person doesn't listen to those internal hits
0: I had the perfect example I looked at a vase that I would changed to so I could use it for something else and I was going down the stairs and I looked and I thought I should change that vase back and I went oh oh yeah I'll do that later next day a gust of wind blows the vase and smashes it to smithereens and I'm like damn it why didn't I listen to that flash of insight
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great example yeah it, it, and this is how life works for us and um you know so many of us are in our ego identity which is the part of our nature that you know that that's a construct of what we've picked up as a child with all of our beliefs and all of the definitions that false definitions that we've created about ourselves and others in life and we live from that space but we don't actually get to live from our greatness or the truth of who we are which is a limitless creator being who you know if we were to listen to our intuition and really connect in and just be in the magic be present and in the magic of life and and developing that connection with our intuition. And then, you know, if you learn to be in that space, then your life just opens up and flows in the most incredible way. And then that's when things really start to shift and change. And it's really, really exciting.
0: I remember yep. the first time I tried that, it was just okay. I made a festival and it was back when Prana Festival was um was the the kind of urban hippie festival of the of the time on the Coromandel Peninsula and I remember going okay can I just go with the flow and it was so foreign and I really had to overcome my mind of not kind of getting a schedule and going I want to go to this workshop and that band and this and that and that okay I'm just gonna check in see where the inner voice takes me and it was such a cool experience I haven't totally managed to um get that and fully uh, in the rest of life because our schedules and in times etc but it's I think that's where it started for me yeah it's really a great place to start experimenting if you're not already kind of doing it
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know it's like you tap into your delicious mind you know where the minds just a love being in the delicious mind because that's when the mind is calm and relaxed and focused on the now So then the mind's not stressing and it's not planning and it's not striving and then there's no anxiety in the body and there's no stress and there's no catastrophizing Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: no worrying and then you're just open and then you can, you know, and then you allow the higher mind to come through and you tap into the flow. So where do I feel inspired to go next? Where's the inspiration? And then all of a sudden, these amazing experiences just start to happen. You know, I had had an experience the other day. It was such a beautiful experience. My my friend was over from Australia and she's recently, her son passed away in his sleep. It's a really, really sad story. But, um, you know, we went out to Bethel's Beach and we ended up swimming in the ocean and it was a nice beautiful day. and And you know I was really tapping into the magic and just felt so free, and it was so beautiful. And we came back to the car park, and the cafe was there, and and you know the the um a band was about to play, and and I didn't take my credit card out there because I thought we were just going for a walk. and and Lou tried to buy some mango lassies and um, And they they couldn't accept your credit card because it was Australian. And they were only accepting New Zealand F postcards. And so that's cool. And we started walking back to the car. And then all of a sudden there was a knock on the window. And I there was a woman there. And she's I wound down the window and she said, Can I buy you those mango lassies? And it was so beautiful, you know, and, and she said, I heard what happened and, and I'd really love to buy those lassies for you. And I just felt like we were in the magic, you know, it just felt like we were we dropped into flow in life, and then this beautiful woman came in and we had that that delicious experience. And I love having those experiences because it makes you feel alive.
0: really does.
1: It really does, hey. Like, you know, you just live from this place of joy and it's. I feel like it's a little bit like being a kid in a candy store and, you know, you wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm so excited about what's going to happen today and the people I'm going to meet and and the amazing adventures I'm going to have and the opportunities that are coming my way and you're in this space of expectation. And so I I really practice that in my own life. You know, it is a practice and it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but it's very much being the witness of the mind and and pivoting back and noticing when the mind's going into that egoic story and then no oh, I'm making this change and I'm making this choice to be present and to come into my heart space yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you know I went to the um I spent some time in the back in Peru I've been to Peru three times and and I went back in 2018 and I, and I did some, I went on a journey with some shamans high up in the Southern Alps, um, not Southern Alps, the, the Andes up there. And you know, there were this, this beautiful shamans that lived high up in this little village, way up in the Alps. And, and you know, they said to us, you know, you Westerners, you live up here. Hmm. They said, we live here. in In our heart we allow our heart to guide us which is your higher mind right your intuition and we use this as a tool Mm. and um and i i knew that but to hear it and to experience it in them and and to see the, the presence that they held and that heartfelt loving energy and so i just bowed from from that time to really practice as much as i can living from the heart space and teaching others to do that too yeah so how, how do you teach others
0: is this part of like a private practice one-on-one I mean what what kind of events have you have you got
1: anything coming up or yeah well it, I, I take I take, I take people away
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I take people away on retreat and will we go really deep into the heart and heart-based practices and it is very much about I teach people how to recognise where they're not in the heart, and how to recognise coming into the heart. But also, I work with um, I'm a I'm a coach as well. So I've trained with um, a man called William Whitecloud, who's he's a big international teacher in the space, and and I coach and I'm a natural success coach. So I work with people privately and help them to tune in to their intuition and to lead lead their life from that space, but also to go into and connect in with what their soul wants to create in the world. And then we find out what their soul wants to create in the world. So I do a reading for them, an intuitive reading. A lot of this work is about me intuiting for them and them intuiting for themselves. And then I help them to look at their ego identity and where their ego identity is stopping them. So, those core beliefs and those things, the obstacles, and then, um, and then how to pivot back into to living in the magic. So, and then, you know, in my hypnotherapy work, it's about um, releasing trauma and obstacles that are stopping somebody from really tuning into that part of themselves their greatness and the truth of who that who they are yeah so yeah I run workshops throughout the year and bits and pieces and um you know I run a a workshop about intuition and um you know self-hypnosis and I've got some other things that I'm I've got up my sleeve I'm actually going to be training people to do what I do next year Oh, that's exciting yeah, yeah. I've got a, a hypnotherapy course coming up. I bet she just delivered it recently to two people and I train them and um, and I'll be training more people next year. So Oh, that but sounds
0: just, like an ideal way to learn in a really small group.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, my dream is to travel the world and teach and to share, you know, to share. Um, what I've learned over the years and and just you know we we all have our own um, our own journey and our own wisdom and and um, it's just my flavor you know it's just the way that I see the world and yeah
0: attracted to that who are supposed to be who listen to their intuition (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly oh
0: that's brilliant
1: so how do people find you I've got a, work, uh, a website, and it's um, teganfetherapy.co.nz. It's T-E-A-G-A-N-F-E-A, therapy.co.nz. And, um, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel as well and Instagram. And I mainly find that people who come to me, their intuition has told them like you know, they've just. I've had people say to me, "God, I just saw your website, or I picked up your card, and I just knew I had to work with you," which is really cool. And I even have people from overseas that end up finding me, and and through different sources, and I just knew I had to come and work with you. So I consider myself as an awakener. Um, I help. I've always had this ability since I was a child to awaken people to the truth of who they are you know their beauty and so one of the great loves in my work is actually holding space for someone and seeing them clearly for who they are is the beautiful profound being that they are because most people can't see that in themselves and so you know
0: why we go to people like
1: yeah yeah, exactly (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, why people want to be around people like you because of being able to see that beauty of who we really are
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah and it's so sad that people can't you know people can't see their own beauty but you know that's part of the journey sometimes it comes and goes you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yes
0: yeah oh wow Wow, that's that has been really fascinating um finding out your story and and your
1: adventures along the way. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's um yeah, I you know it's interesting because I, I, you know I came back to New Zealand. I didn't really want to come back to New Zealand, but because I love Australia. But I came back um, for my family and and um because I hadn't lived here for a very long time and. And I'm putting out to the universe for another adventure.
0: The universe will deliver, no doubt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, come on, magical adventure. Maybe I'll move to Peru, or you know, <laughs> go and live somewhere crazy again.
0: Yeah, I guess what there's plenty of places that are crazy. It's just what definition of crazy you're after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: oh thanks so much Tegan it was uh it was such a such a great I feel like I've just sat through a great storytelling session <laughs> <laughs> all filled up with yay
1: <laughs> oh beautiful oh thank you Sarah too yeah so it's, it's always nice to share to share stories
0: yeah totally stories are where it's at <laughs> Welcome to the section of the show where I share some of my original music. Today's piece is a new release to the internet, despite it being written 20 years ago for Christmas 2002. That Christmas even involved making angels in the snow on the front lawn at my grandmother's house in Toronto. Here's my Christmas song it's called A Time for Sharing.
2: time for sharing, a time for caring, a time to be joyful on this Christmas night. A time for loving, a time for giving, a time to be grateful on this Christmas night. some countries it's cold outside, could be 40 below, in others it's completely foreign to think of ice or snow. Whatever weather comes to you, remember truth of the day, celebration with family and friends, no matter which way. Time for sharing, a time for caring. Time to be joyful on this Christmas night. Time for loving, a time for giving. Time to be grateful on this Christmas night. The snow may be softly falling Bears witness to the calling Peace and goodwill to all truth of the day The sun may be brightly shining People will be smiling The joy that giving brings Is here to stay Sharing a time for caring a time to be joyful on this Christmas night, a time for loving, the time for giving, the time to be grateful on this Christmas night.
0: Unravelling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmalospence.com. Theme music is by Sarah Malo Spence and Saraswati Marie Willis, and art by Samantha
2: Hepburn.